You're listening to the Direction for Life podcast. We pray this episode blesses you. We'd love to connect with you. Visit us at rdci.info or on Facebook at Right Direction Church International. Also, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the RDCI. We hope you enjoy this broadcast. So we, we talked about love, sex, and marriage. Last week, we, re, we went into more detail about why marriage. And let me remind you what the impetus of this is. The impetus of this was one of our single members of our church said to me, and he really kind of uh, sideswiped me. I didn't quite understand, but I meditated on and thought about it, and the Lord led me to do this. She said that doesn't think our church does enough, or I do enough to encourage marriage. And I didn't quite get that, but I said, okay, well, let me take four weeks and encourage it. <laughs> okay? Thought I didn't do enough. We talk about marriage. We didn't do, you know, uh, enough to encourage marriage. And so we've been spending the last three weeks talking about God's plan for marriage, God's plan for family, and God's plan for sex, which was to be within the confines of marriage, and why. Okay? And so... I'm, I'm kind of giving today a subtopic called good help, called good help, uh, because I've discovered years ago that help isn't help unless it's the help you need. Y'all ever, y'all, y'all ever have a, you ever have a baby, a little toddler, and he's trying to do something, and they, they trying to help you, but they're spilling the stuff all over the place. They, they try, I, I help, and they're just in the way. That's because even though they're trying to help, help isn't help unless it's the help you need. And Genesis 2.18, in the context of God putting together the first man and woman coming together, and he ordained for them to be together, one, and, ma- and what we have now termed marriage, God said it's not good that man should be all one. That word all one, if you look at it, it really comes from, it's a compound word from two words. All one. It's not good for man to be alone. Come from compound, all one. It's not good for him to be completely 100% self-deficient in himself. So God takes the female part out of him and he forms a woman. And so you need to understand, especially men, we are deficient by design. Not only we as men, but all of us are deficient by design. In other words, there's something you can't do without help. There's something that you need someone else for. God created us deficient by design. He says, I'm going to make a help meet for him. Okay? I don't know how some kind of way the church has put that word help meet together as a noun, and it's not a noun. And every time I see it, I want to call up somebody and write them or tell them, stop saying that. It's not a help meet. Help meet is not a noun. The help is the noun. The meet is the adverb, okay, Uh, to, to, to describe what kind of help. A help, that word meet means suitable for him. I'm going to give him help who is suitable for him. Help that is suitable for him, okay? Help me is not, my wife, this is my help me. You ever hear people say, this is my help me. My help me. And they say it like, you know, help me meet the the gas bill, help me meet the light bill, help me meet the mortgage. No, that's, get rid of that concept, okay? Help me, God said, I'm going to give him a help who is suitable for him. That tells me that Eve had all the qualities that Adam needed in a wife. Not merely that man needed in a woman, but that Adam specifically need. If, if I, I needed to do, fulfill my life assignment, I needed a particular kind of woman. 
And, and, it, and the woman I ended up marrying was different than anybody thought in a traditional sense. Okay, I've been preaching since I was a, since I was 12 years old. Started off in a traditional high Baptist church that we didn't sing, we didn't clap our hands, y'all. We didn't clap our, our church was too sophisticated to clap the hands. Okay, we clapped the hands one Sunday a, a, a month. That was when the gospel chorus sang, and that was, and they and that was only a couple folks in the church. And then good old Miss Hughes over there, the one praiser in our church. One, we had one praiser, Miss Hughes. Now she drank on Saturday, but she praised on Sunday. And she would wait till it get quiet. When after, after the hymn would be finished, she would say, oh yes he did, oh yes he did. Now I'm like, what are you, he did what? We just got finished singing, what a friend we have in Jesus. And her response, oh yes he did. Okay. And so I came out of church, and then, then I came over to my uncle's church, and, and it was in uh, uh, Pente Pentecostal circles. And as I, as I came up in the church, uh, you know, we, uh, there were three particular, um, uh, we all kind of were young people together. We all kind of knew each other. We all kind of went in the same circles. And, you know, we, everybody kind of knew everybody who everybody went, went and dated. And here I come with this Catholic girl. Didn't even come, come from my city. I was the talk of the town. Me and, me and two other pastors, I was showing Pastor Marshall, one of them the other day. One of them, he's now a church God in Christ pastor. He talked about him because he married an apostolic girl. Okay? And then the other pastor who's now a bishop in the church God in Christ, he married a girl from the Baptist church. And I went way out. I didn't get an apostolic. I, didn't get, I got a Catholic Okay, I met, and so my wife was Catholic when I met her. And where God was taking me, if I had somebody who was steep in the tradition I came from, it would have been harder for me to get out. Because not only did I have to bring myself out, I have to try to bring her. And so my wife has always been a very logical person. You know, when you come along in those circles, I come, you did stuff because they said it. Okay, you just did what they said. If, if they said this was wrong, it was wrong. Women shouldn't wear pants. Why? It's an abomination. Okay? Um, well, you, women ain't supposed to wear makeup. Why? Because you're supposed to look ugly. <laughs> no, they, they didn't say that. that. It might as well have been that. <laughs> okay? And we didn't question things. And so then I married, I, I, uh, my wife got saved, came from the Catholic church, and then she, she wasn't, in, he wasn't in this background. And she came along, and she started saying, well, why they do such and such? Well, why does that, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, you ain't supposed to say that. Just go along, cooperate. She said, I don't understand that. Well, why? Okay, you know, she was like, you know how a little uh, two-year-old, why? Why? She wanted to know why. And so as God, but God, and even though people did not understand the wife that God gave me, God gave me a wife who was meat for me. Suitable, watch it, not only for where I was, but for where I was going. I can stop right there because see some of y'all, you you so caught up in where you are, you don't think about where you're going. I don't know one, because the scripture says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he went on depart from it. He, when he's old. It didn't say anything about those in-between years. One of, our, one of our leaders who's in our school of ministry from, from our Florence location, he said, he said he was raised in the church. His, mother and his mother's a pastor. His father's a steward in the AME church. He always loved the Lord. He said, but when I went to college, I took a break. How many of y'all took a break when you went to college? 
Yeah, we took a break. Y'all ain't taking no break, right? Because y'all serving Jesus. Er day. Okay? But some of us, he said, he said, when I went to college, he said, I took a break. But now he's, he, he's on God's path. He's pursuing ministry. Okay? And so the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And see, some of y'all in situations right now who are raised in the church, you're taking a break right now. But that ain't where you plan on staying. I don't know one person who's been raised in the Lord, raised in the things of God, who say, I'm planning on twerking all my life. I'm planning on taking shots and turning up all my life. Nobody plans that. You think this is just a season, but then you, you get connected to somebody in this season and you make a permanent decision in a temporary situation. And now you realize the person you're sleeping with or love is not the person who's gonna make a good husband and not the person who's gonna make a good father and not the person who's gonna make a good grandfather and not the person who's gonna make a good mother or grandmother. Because you made a permanent decision in a temporary situation. I had enough sense to know that semester or two that I took a break. I wasn't going to marry none of them. No, I'm, I'm very serious. I, I knew that. I, I knew that these, these, these girls who I was letting catch me. Because I wasn't on the prowl, but they was after brother. I'm very serious about that, especially, I don't know why, I pledged my junior year, and once I got these letters across my chest, the girls went crazy. I didn't understand it, because I was the same guy. I was, I'm like, what, what, what does this say? What does this mean, always? And, well, I mean, what, what does that mean? Because really, it, it, gave, it, it gave me access, they had access to me. <laughs> Okay, and so which, which is why sometimes I, I'm, I'm hesitant sometimes to tell some of you who want to pledge whether or not you should, you, everybody needs to see God for that, but you should not be pledging to get an identity. You should not be connected with some organization to get an identity. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature, all things are, your identity, you already, if you're a Christian, you already have an identity. Your identity is in Jesus. Amen. And so, and so God gave me a help meet for me. And God said, it's not going to make him a helper who's just right for him. He's going to give him good help. And so uh, I'm kind of going from where I left off last week. Then I want to go a little bit further. I'm not going to finish this. Okay. But uh, brothers, you can, you can get the wrong wife. Yeah, I know she's fine. Lips, hips, and dips, and all that fine. But, but you, you, can get to, you can get the wrong wife. Proverbs 21 and 9 says, when you get the wrong one, it's better to be in a corner on a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Y'all know the contentious woman. You see him on TV, the one who say, Byron, Byron. That's a contentious woman. I can't imagine Marshall Fowler and Herb, Herb, Herb. And a lot, a lot of brothers going around saying, man, man, you know these women crazy. These women, no, 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 no. You with a crazy one. They ain't all crazy. You're selling for a crazy one. You're selling for drama. All women aren't like that. You better keep looking. 
You better look beyond the weave. Did y'all did, did did see that? Marvin Sapp was baptizing. He, he was baptizing. The girl came to be baptized, and before she went down, she took her two buns off. He fell out laughing. Wow, it's supposed to be a serious moment. Brothers, sometimes the ones who got the expensive ones, you don't know. You might have to just accidentally tug or something. See, some women, oh, you better not touch my hair. That verse in the Living Translation says, better live alone in a corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Women, you need to understand, women, catch this, women set the atmosphere in a home. You, you got a contentious woman, you have a contentious home. You have a, you have a strifeful woman, you have a strifeful home. And we know this, that's, that's why the sense, somebody got to say in, okay, and it, it's really, it goes deeper than, than what we say, and that is what, if mom ain't happy, what? Ain't nobody happy because they set an atmosphere in the home. That verse of message translation says, better to live in a, in a tumble-down shack than share a mansion with a nagging spouse. Now, let me go a little deeper. The other point I made last week about women, you can get with a, you can get with a man who's a fool. Let me tell you the first sign of a fool Nobody can tell me anything. That's the first signs of a fool right there. You may think that's smart, but that's the first signs of a fool. Nobody can tell me anything. The Bible says a fool is said in his heart that there is no God. The Bible said don't even try to give an instruction to a fool because he's not going to listen. So a fool, nobody can tell you anything. And the Bible tells us in the scriptures in 1 Samuel 25 and 25, about this man named Nabal. Nabal didn't understand how to respect authority. Mm. Nabal didn't understand how to respect authority. And David comes along as the heir apparent to the kingdom, and he needs some rations for he and his men, and he comes, he sends a word to Nabal, can you help me and my men out while they are fleeing from Saul? And, and, uh, and Nabal says, who, 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 who's this David? I ain't giving him nothing. There's a whole bunch of folks out here in the streets so they ain't giving them nothing. And, Dave, and, and, and they sent back words. David said, listen, he said, he don't care nothing about you, about you being the king, the parent, none of this stuff. He said, he ain't giving you nothing. David said, oh, I'm going to kill him and everything and everybody connected to him. And the woman had to run out, Abigail, and intercede. Intercede and make amends and bring him rations and say, and she says in 1 Samuel 25 and 25, New Living Translation, he said, I know Nabal is wicked and, and an ill-tempered man. He's wicked and he's an ill-tempered man. The King James says he's a SOB, son of Belial. What did you think of that meant? <laughs> he's a son of Belial. No one can tell him anything. He said, she said, please don't pay any attention to him. He's a fool, just as his name suggests. The word Nabal meant fool. He said, he's a fool, just like his name says. But I never even saw the young man you sent. He's, and so, so watch this. If a woman marries a fool, you always got to be intervening and handling something the man should handle. Oh, y'all are like me now. So one of the first signs of a fool is you can't tell him anything. Now let me go a little deeper with this. 
I find it so amazing that in the scriptures, Moses, Moses, he has encounters with God no one else has. He's the one God appears to in a burning bush that did not consume, was not consumed. God speaks to him out of a, out of a burning bush in the, in the voice of Charlton Heston. <laughs> Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Moses, take off thy shoes for the ground on which thy standeth is holy ground. And God appears to him, tells him, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He uses his staff, and, and, and the staff is turned to a snake, and then it turns back. He uses his staff, and water comes out of a rock. He uses his staff, and the, and the waters part in the Red Sea, and they go, go across in dry land. And then when Moses sister and brother started murmuring against him because he married an Ethiopian woman. He studied the scripture. He married a black woman, and they didn't like it. They started murmuring against Moses, and I heard somebody else teach this this week, I was, and this is good, especially for Black History Month. He said, oh, you didn't marry. And so, and so they were murmuring against Moses because he married a black woman. So God says to, God says to Miriam, he said, oh, Oh, you like white, huh? I'm going to make you white and gave a leprosy. That's a whole nother way to look at that thing. She turned white with leprosy. And then God says to, to, to Miriam and to Aaron, he said, now you need to be careful about putting your, putting your mouth on Moses. He said, with everybody else, I'll talk to you about dreams and visions. He said, Moses, not like it. He said, I'll talk to Moses face to face. You keep your mouth off Moses. And God defends Moses. Nobody has ever done. Moses got the Ten Commandments upon which all the rest of the scriptures refer to. And yet, Moses, when it comes to leading people and administrating over these estimated three million people in the wilderness, when people have issues, he's standing there in front of them all day in the desert and they're lined up for him to adjudicate their cases. And it took an older man, his father-in-law, who comes and says to him, Moses, the thing that you're doing is not good. He said, you need to separate these crowds and, 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 and put a point leader from which, from which we get uh, uh, bureaucratic theory in, when, when you study leadership about this is the first bureaucracy. He said, put men over hundreds, over fifties, over tens. Let them handle the smaller matter. You handle the larger matter. Now, as much as Moses was a wise man, he needed an older man to tell him how to handle this situation. And yet there are people who say, nobody can tell me anything. Men, somebody needs to be able to tell you something. Let me go deeper, because I've discovered that many times the men who are so defensive about no man can tell me anything are ones who don't have fathers or didn't have a father in your life because you were not used to a man telling you what to do. If you grow with a father, the first voice you hear is a man telling you what to do. Boy, come over here. Put that down. You're not going. So you, 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 you get used to the voice of, a, of authority speaking to you. But if you grow up without a man of authority in your life, you grow up and who, who, who are the main ones who are we talking about? Man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I'm, I'm, I'm a man. You know, nobody tell me nothing. I do all, man, who, who didn't have fathers? I can show you in the scripture, the Bible tells about a guy named Jephthah. Jephthah was rejected in his household. He was separated. Even though he went to live with his father, his brothers didn't like him. So Jephthah ended up being a gang leader. It's in Judges around the seventh chapter. And so you need a voice of authority. Ladies, I'm talking to the single ladies now. 
when you go to get with a man, find out who's a voice of authority in his life. Because he may be going along with what you say now. But once he got you, he got you. He ain't going to listen to nobody. You, you go talk about him. Let's talk to the pastor. I don't talk to no pastor. Uh, I'm coming right down. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to talk to no pastor. I do what I want to do. Well, let's get counsel. I don't need nobody to counsel me because you're a fool who doesn't realize that you need the wisdom of somebody else in areas of your life. <laughs> Deacon, uh, Deacon uh, Goodwin, where you at Deacon Goodwin? Is he here today? Deacon Goodwin is a, is a, is a brick mason. He's a, he's a foreman on his job, and he went to tell somebody working under him to, what to do. He said, you don't tell me what to do. He said, who do you think you are? I'm the foreman. <laughs> Duh. Again, someone not understanding authority. So you think any voice of authority is too much. So ladies, be careful. A wrong woman tears down her own house. Proverbs 14.1, it says the wise woman builds her house. Amplified says, on the foundation of godly principles and her household thrives, but the foolish one who lacks spiritual insight tears it down with her own hands by ignoring godly principles. And ladies, you got to be careful of listening to all your girlfriends who ain't never had a man. They're going to tell you, how you what they wouldn't do if they were married to your husband. They're not married to your husband. You listen to your Aunt Lucy who's 70, ain't never been married. Every man she ever had is a man she used to have. <laughs> Listen to me, and you're listening to people giving you wisdom, which is not wisdom at all. So make sure you're getting godly wisdom. Titus 2, and 2 3 through 5, it says that older women, you got any older women in here? Let's see who, let's see who women, if I got any women who will acknowledge that you're an older woman. Any older women, raise your hand. Okay, I thought all y'all were going to act like you're 25. <laughs> Titus 2, 3 through 5, it says the aged women, the older women, likewise, that they should be in behavior as becoming holiness. You should be an example to younger women. It said not false accusers. Not, not given to much wine. I wish I could even take much out. <laughs> Teaching good things that they may teach the young women to be sober. That means, that's not talking about be, uh, not drinking. Sober here, it means to be clear thinking, to understand how your decision today is going to affect you tomorrow. I know you think everything is more important than your children, but you're going to regret that one day. And you need an older woman to tell you there's some opportunities you can't miss. I, I, I sat down with some, I was in a conference this week, sitting down with some younger pastors who were saying, I'm trying to balance my son being in sports with ministry. And I said, well, I said, I said we had to do the same thing. And uh, he said, I, I said, but you, I said, you need to understand this. There's some things that's going to come back around, some things that's not going to come back around. I know a great pastor who I heard him say, you know, he was never home when his kids were being raised because he was out preaching the world and saving the world. He said, but the Lord told him he's going to give him those years back. I said, that's a lie. He's going to give you future years. You don't get those years back. There's a man in our church, I can say this because he's not here anymore, 
But I'm, there was a man, we were having a man-to-man years ago talking about being raised. And, and at the time, the man's like 45. It was just all men there. And he started having a breakdown. He said, I played baseball. My father never, he never came to one of my, one, to one of my games. Not one. This man's 45. You don't get it back. There's some things you don't get back. You got to understand that. And, you, and, and some of us, some of us, we got to admit, we're going to be better grandfathers than we were fathers. We're going to be better grandmothers than we were mothers. And so you have to, it says, teach them to be sober, clear thinking, connect the dots. You're chasing the wind, and is, which is like chasing a cloud. I remember I was sharing yesterday with our school ministry, the first time I was in the plane, and I saw we were headed towards the clouds, I held on. I said, oh, God. We're going in the cloud. When we went in the cloud, I thought, I, I thought the plane was just going to start rattling. Nothing happened when we went in the cloud. You know why? Because the cloud is just full of air. And some of y'all are chasing stuff. It's just a cloud. You think you're going to be able to grab it? It's just a handful of air. There's nothing there. You got to get your priorities right with your family. You got to get your priorities right with your wife, with your husband, with your children. You don't get it back. You get additional years. Teach them to be discreet, chase, keepers at home. Nobody want to keep the home today. Somebody got to keep the home. I said, somebody, if we walk in and it's clothes all over the place, we don't care whose fault it is. Somebody got to clean it up. Well, my wife, well, my husband. My, my, my former pastor told me in Oklahoma years ago, I was complaining. We had been married. We weren't even married 10 years. We were married 39 now. We, and my former pastor, and I was complaining about Marcia. I said, she, she ain't doing this, and I want her to do this. He said, well, you do it. I said, huh? That wasn't the answer I wanted. I said, she's not doing it. He, he said, you're the head of your house, aren't you? Uh, I think. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to be right now. He said, you're the head of your house. Anything you want done in your house, you do it. Set the example of what needs to be done. I, 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 I tell men that today, and, and y'all look at me like, that's another gospel. If you can't do it, if you can pay for it, get somebody. But some, the house needs to be clean, y'all. The clothes got to be picked up, y'all. Somebody got to teach somebody to keep it home. Traditionally, it was women. Traditionally. But we don't have traditional families right now. Because a lot of the women are working as hard, if not harder, than men. So the idea, it got to be done. You can't have a non-traditional family and expect your wives to have traditional roles, men. Well, I need, I, you know, when I come home, when I come home, I want food, food on the table. She got in the house five minutes before you. That's unrealistic. So if y'all both working, bringing all this money in, start paying for stuff. You can pay for somebody to wash your clothes. You can pay for somebody to clean the house if, if you have the money. I'm not saying do that if you don't have the money, but this stuff got to be done. It ain't like man, it, it, it's not like the man don't mind if he, don't have, if he have dirty drawers. He does mind. He may not say anything. Brothers, do you mind? 
I'll, 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 I'll go. Sometime I'm in, I'm in, I'll go look at my drawer. I'm looking class. All, all of a sudden, Pastor wants to come with a handful of clothes. Here they are right here, honey. Calm down. Calm down. You got some clean drawers right here. Chill out. Hakuna Matata. A godly spouse brings favor in your life. Favor is when God raises up what? Somebody, somewhere, use their power, their ability, their influence to help you. Brothers, when you marry the right woman, when you have good help, things get better in your life. Well, ever since I married this woman, myself ain't, well, you married the wrong one. I don't have nothing since I married her. You married the wrong one. The right wife brings favor in your life. Proverbs 18, 22. Whosoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. The Living Translation said, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. So there are things that happen in my life only because I married Marcia. And I would be, I, I would be a fool to think it would happen otherwise. You know, I, I, uh, I, I sent her, I, I don't see, she didn't say anything about it. I sent her the other day, I happened to come across some pictures. Did you see the picture I sent you? I sent her a picture of the dilapidated house she used to live in. <laughs> uh, I, 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 sent her, I sent her a picture of, of this house where, where, where she was, it, it didn't quite look that bad when, when uh, she was living there, but I sent her a picture of that, that house and, uh, and some, sometime I, I joke with her, I said, you know, I've taken you around the world. You know, you know I, you, you, I've been able, I said, you have traveled around the world. And she said, yes, yeah. she said, I got you out the storefront church. So this is a partnership. <laughs> this is reciprocity. You take me around the world, I help you have a nice church. Every relationship, y'all, let me stop parked there for a moment. Every relationship should be a relationship of reciprocity. Not only you use each other, but we both should be getting something out of this relationship. And I'm not just talking about sex. Because that can dry up. Or you can dry up. Or you can get tired. Don't, I, got, I, I got new people here. I can't go deep into this. But it has, has to be more than that. What are we, what, how, how are we meeting each other's needs? I heard something recently, you know, and, and, and it made so, made so much sense. When people say, I'm not happy in my marriage, this is the interpretation. I have needs that are not being met. When anyone says I'm unhappy in my marriage, that means there are needs that are not being met. So somebody needs to have a discussion, well, what needs are not being met that I need to meet for you? Or how can we better meet each other's needs? Because that's all happiness is. Happiness is relative, right? Some, some people like chocolate cake, some people like vanilla cake. It, it, or some, people, some people pig feet make them happy, and me, uh, filet mignon make me happy. It's all relative. So you need to find out how you meet each other's needs to add to each other's happiness. Stay connected with us in person or online. Stream our services live on YouTube or rightdirection.info on Sundays at 9 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 12 noon and 7 p.m. On Fridays, join Dr. Marsha Bailey for Manifest at 12 noon online only. If you're in the local area, join us in Columbia, South Carolina at 
1705 Shivers Road. If you're in the Florence or Orangeburg area, join us for services there. For campus service times and locations, visit brightdirection.info.